0: Hello and welcome to Comedy in a Nutshell, the podcast about comedy with me, your host, Mark Decano. Every episode, I come up with something witty and pithy to throw in at the beginning, and that's become my increasingly difficult cross to bear. Why would I even include that in the format every time? Who knows? Still, comedy, it's good, isn't it? I love talking to the people in comedy about comedy. And if you like to hear what they have to say as much as I do, then please like, subscribe, rate, review and share the podcast. Thank you. My guest this episode is a comedian still in his 20s but with a varied cultural and vocational background has more than enough material to call on and a wealth of experience on the comedy circuit. He traverses the spectrum from socio-political satire to physical buffoonery, gaining laughs at every turn. It's stand-up comedian Philip Kosteleski. So tell me about uh, how comedy sort of came into your life. Was it part of growing up? Was it family life? Was it on the television?
1: How did comedy come into my life? What a, what a fun way to phrase the question. <laughs> I I saw it, Um, you know, I've always been a comedian. I've always thought of making people laugh. No, 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 nothing like that. <laughs> uh, I guess about quite a, a question is how stand-up came into my life because I kind of, we I watched kind of comedy growing up on TV. There was like, So I'll just explain for anybody listening. And so my mom is Slovenian American, and my dad was Austrian. And so I was raised in mainly Austria at the start, and then we moved to Slovenia. And we would watch like Austrian comedy shows or German comedy shows on TV. So that's kind of the first stuff that I started watching. There's people like Mensch Markus, who obviously none of these, nobody listening would have any idea what. And then there was this show called Bühle vom Tölz, which was a uh, a crime show that had like quite a lot of humor in it. And then there were these Austrian um, and German um, chat shows. Uh, you'd, I'd say talk shows, but you'd say chat shows uh, that I used to watch. So that's how I kind of, I, I never thought about that much, but I sort of had the, comedy kind of adjacent um, in that way. But the first time I watched proper stand up, and like thought, Oh, this is this is wild. This is this is incredible was uh, when we were in Slovenia. And they would do these they're called Comedy Central Presents, it was this show from like the noughties in the States and Mm -hmm. Slovenia is not a large enough country to produce a lot of original comedy, because it's only 2 million people, there's not a big audience for it. Mm -hmm. And so on Comedy Central, they would just play reruns of these shows like 10 years afterwards, and with, you know, Slovenian subtitles and stuff, although I you know, I was raised speaking German and English. Hmm. I don't speak Slovenian super well. So it was actually uh, just watching the stand up in English. And I just sort of saw it. And on TV after school, yeah. it was just like, I don't know, probably a lot of comedians have this moment where it's like, oh, that's it. Oh, that's, 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 that's what, that's what I've been looking for my whole life. <laughs> and it was just so magical to watch it. And um, I think that's kind of how it entered into my life. And then I used to watch these specials kind of back to back for like three to four, hours, like three hours when I came home from school. I'd have it on in the background. I'd mm-hmm. be playing video games and have them on. Or I'd I'd sit and watch them. A lot of times I'd watch them again because it was reruns of the show. Like they would just <laughs> play endless reruns <laughs> of the same stuff. And so that's how that kind of came into my life. And then I also started watching The Daily Show and The uh, Cobert Rapport. Yeah. But was interesting was is they were on a two-week delay from the states uh because they had to subtitle them right and so i would always start talking to my mom about like political events that happened two weeks ago <laughs> so I'd have, i had this sort of like two-week backdated knowledge on american politics but i used to watch those religiously i just sort of thought they were both incredible i preferred the daily show over the colbert report only because i think it was a bit more accessible and i didn't sort of get what uh stephen colbert was doing but yeah, that's kind of really those just like, I I was lucky I had a TV in my room. So I just watched it endlessly. Yeah. It was like this big box TVs, you know, but uh, it was, um, yeah, that's really how it kind of entered my life. And I just sort of, I think for me, it was the first time I had seen people share a weird concept or an idea that maybe I related to, mm. and then to get an audience to understand it by being by having it be funny i thought that was the magic for me it's like all these weird thoughts all these weird ideas i've had hmm. um i was able to see somebody get those across and be liked for it i thought that was the magic for me yeah and just to feel like yeah yeah that's how it entered my life
0: was that the inspiration that made you want to be a comedian to being able to put your ideas across yeah yeah,
1: yeah. i think as soon as i saw that i thought this is what i want to do
0: yeah i was like 100 yeah this is it so what was that? What was your opening into comedy then? I know, as, as in, what did I start? It, to put it another way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have very nice ways of phrasing things. You, um, um... I'm trying to sound more intelligent than I am. That's...
1: No, I think, you know, I like great <laughs> stuff like that. It reminds me of, I don't know, have you seen the film Singing in the Rain? Of
0: course, yeah.
1: So um, one of my all-time favourite films, I think it's almost the perfect film, if not the perfect film. <laughs> but there's a great line in it when um, Don, Don Lockwood, uh, and there's, uh, he's, he's on the, he's on the, uh, the, the, the tram car, and he jumps into Kathy's car, and he's sitting there for a while, and she's, you know, she's driving the big, the big fake wheel like this, <laughs> and he says, he says to her, "I'd love to know whose hospitality I'm enjoying." <laughs> It's such, a, it's such a wonderful way to say what's your name You know, <laughs> yeah I just thought so you're doing a lot of these type of questions which I absolutely love um so I I, I when I'm I when I was in Slovenia I knew that when I was going to study in the UK I wanted to do stand-up here and so I kind of had my first run in with like a comedic performance when we had this lecturer at our university who didn't show up one week, and we all really didn't like her, and so it was it was like a hundred fifty seat lecture theater. So I just went to the front of the class because there was no communication on what we do. Mm-hmm. So I just went to the front of the class, and I just started like making fun of her and uh like riffing on all these jokes that we knew. So she always did the Pacific specific, specific <laughs> thing, I hate that. Uh, so we made fun of that a little bit. I even threw in some of my own material there and um it, it did well I got an applause at the end of it people were like oh that was that was so that was kind of the first real step into it but then what was interesting was a week later I booked um an actual gig at uh, a, a, a pub uh like in um in and I, I so I studied at Royal Holloway and Agham hmm. uh, so I just, I just did it there and I had a really good um I had a really good run of gigs not run of gigs a run of jokes on that set and then I ended on this joke my brother thought was really funny about going to a parmesan factory he said oh this is funny man this is this is it you know on like a school trip and uh it didn't get any laughs so I had like a really like ended on my worst joke which uh I uh it's a tradition I've kept to this day I don't want to have it be that way so that's how I kind of got into it and I started doing it a bit at university Mm. over the three years not a lot though not very seriously but then probably started gigging in September 2018 when I moved to London Mm. and I just yeah i just love it i just think it's incredible
0: so what was your first sort of paying gig your first professional booking first
1: professional gig so my first technically my first ever paid gig was uh the drunken heckle show in edinburgh yeah i got paid a whole five pounds <laughs> actually i think i might have those five pounds here i have them in a let me see if i can find it Uh it's a it's a bit it's a bit complicated to find um but i got paid the five pounds in coins yeah so it really uh did not have the glam it's not like i could uh i don't know if you've seen spongebob but like uh the crab has his first dollar bill he ever made he has it like behind a glass frame i i can't i can't do that with my uh, with my five pounds um so that was the first one. but i think trying to think of like the real proper professional gig i i um i can't remember i can't remember which one that was just you know they all just sort of blend into one when you're when you're at stage uh certainly i had like um i like i remember sort of the first time i did gigs like top secret or i did like an out of town gig or i was doing like a 20 minute spot um yeah yeah, that that was that was for sure i mean actually the first ever proper paid gig i actually got shortchanged on um because they accidentally booked two openers i'm not going to mention the booker because (laughs) it would be unprofessional um to do so but they booked two opening acts at this random gig in this small town Mm. and um they the other act was like i mean I, he was like i'm not it's 50 pounds as well and they gave me 20. and he said oh i'm not um they booked two of us but I, you know i'm not i i deserve the cash he basically stood his ground and i didn't right and um, and the booker was like i'm really sorry about that i'll get you some more gigs and then he never did yeah so that was my first experience with the professional world of comedy
0: yeah <laughs> welcome to the circuit yeah yeah
1: that's, it's not that much different <laughs> yeah. i joked about the last year jo- the last job not landing this is this is not too dissimilar to how it feels sometimes comedy wise, getting screwed over
0: yeah what about um when you started those initial gigs what about nerves and anxiety was it was it everything that you expected it to be yeah you-
1: that's a good that's a good question um i think <laughs> i got a uh... I didn't really, wasn't really nervous for my first gig because I was like, I was like 17, you know? Yeah. So I had that kind of youthful. <laughs> Annoyingly confident. What want, dude? Yeah, I'm confident <laughs> thing in the world. I had that going for me. Yeah. Um, But I think weirdly enough, as the gig started to get more important, that's when the nerves started to kick in for sure. Right. I get really annoying um, nerves in that my stomach feels really upset. Right. And so, but I don't have anything to release. Yeah. Like... <laughs> You know, I've got it's like, it's like I've got stomach block basically, and I get incredibly cold, um, which is just the worst. So I'm just sitting there pacing. I pace as well. So that yeah. you have this guy pacing, holding his stomach, like shivering. <laughs> um, it was just the worst combination of things. But I've gotten better at dealing with it. I think as my career has progressed and I've had more avenues mm. to do gigs with. Uh, and started to perform at that is kind of like lessen the nerves because it means that not every gig is so important yeah and it makes let's take a step back and go i can actually enjoy this for what it is it doesn't always work out that way though because there are still times where i will i'll get in my head and that's the only thing it's about getting out of your head and thinking this doesn't matter like yes this is important mm. and it has value but it's it's better to perform this like it doesn't matter than it does yeah in the, the calmest sense not in the apathetic sense
0: yes you said there a little bit about um, the reality of the comedy circuit. Was there anything else that sort of surprised you about what it went to be doing professional comedy?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think what surprised me is, is how that when, when it, like it feels, especially starting out, the, the biggest obstacle is really getting in. Mm. I kind of feel like it, comedy sometimes is kind of like, it's kind of like Harvard university. Like the difficult <laughs> part is getting in. Not that I've been to Harvard, but it's just what I've heard. It's like, but once you're there, mm you realize there's a lot more flexibility and there's a lot more easy move around people. They don't get rid of people that often, you know, you have to be like horrendously bad or say something, you know, have sort of, you know, views that are like incredibly unfavorable. And by that, I mean, literally incredibly unfavorable. <laughs> yeah. Um, you'd be surprised some, some of people's opinions that people just go, ah, he's funny though. You know, and you're like, Oh, right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I think that was one of the things that surprised me a little bit is how, um, yeah, that that route to access, and also, I think two things surprised me, and weirdly enough, in different ways. How much is not in your control as a comedian? That there are certain things that you just can't enter because there are certain barriers in place. Hmm. Either you know you need an agent, or you need to be you know you need someone to approve of you. You need like you need luck. Hmm. That same thing. But then on the flip side of that, how much is in your control as a comedian? I think really surprised me because. You know, if I um, if I get annoyed that I'm not being booked here, I'm not gigging here. And then you sort of think, well, just put on your own show. Like, that's what I've been doing. This like this uh, work in progress shows is I just put them on myself and then. So for London is nice because I live here and I gig here often. I can I can uh, I have a bit of a following here. People who will come buy tickets. Mm. But like at town gigs, you know, I'm doing a gig in Manchester. I just put up a Facebook ad for it, and it's like sold a few tickets off of the Facebook ad. Like there's so much power and control you have as a comedian mm. that if no one's booking you, just put on your own shows, put up a Facebook ad, and start you know yeah living it up.
0: Yeah, given that that's not you know a huge um, PR exercise. Yeah, if you go to a room with a small group, how do you? How does that affect your performance i mean obviously you feel better if the room is packed but if you've yeah. only got a few people do you do you cancel do you make do you know no, 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 no. no. you never cancel you never cancel both. well you no. say that <laughs> oh no no I, so i think
1: i'd say five it's five is five is the the bare minimum right and you can't have it be five people the same group that's that makes it tricky <laughs> yeah I, i'm talking about like a work in progress show like if i was you know if I was doing something bigger more important yeah I think for me at this stage of my career if I was doing like a work progress show and I have five people in the audience I would still do it because mm. it's part of it is just rehearsing it and getting the material out yeah and often with five people as long as you go at to the top and you say hey look this is going to be the gig it's going to be weird it's going to be this mm. um this is this is how it works and then just do the material and just try it out and often with those gigs because you have to try so much harder you can pull material out of it that you wouldn't before yeah that being said a packed room is way better and and a packed room that's really up for it is way better because you take creative risks that you wouldn't normally Mm. and you can get a lot more yeah I think sometimes you can get more like fun ideas in a bigger room but you can start to feel more realistic in a smaller room because you have to be, you have to talk. You can't be huge energy and like this big statue of this five people in the room. <laughs> so you take a calmer approach, mm. and that can be quite good as well for just sort of like slowly talking the way into the bits and stuff. Yeah, I don't know if that answers that question. Yeah. Or...
0: Um, so I mean, this year you're, you're doing the full Edinburgh, run, as we say. You've you're not new to Edinburgh experience. You've done split bills there yeah. uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. So I did a split
1: last year, and I did a what's called AAA, which is the showcase show.
0: Yeah. I mean, what was that festival experience like of doing the full run at Edinburgh?
1: Uh, it was great. Yeah, I think, I don't know, people always, when I tell friends I'm doing the the Fringe and they're like, are you going there for the full month? And I'm like, yeah, and like performing every day. And I was like, yeah, they're like, oh, wow, that's like, ooh, that's going to be so challenging. and It's going to be going to be so tired. And it's like, yeah, I guess. But there was one time I was at the Fringe and last year and I was talking to a security guard and it was it was like four o'clock. And I said, um, I said, oh, how you doing? What's happening? You know, I like to talk to the layman. You know, that's me. That's
0: a man of the people. Man of the people, (laughs) as they
1: said, You know, I'm up there on stage, and you might think this guy doesn't connect with the everyday person, but he does. He really does. (laughs) And uh, I was talking to him, and I said, oh, what? uh, How's the day going? What time do you finish? And he said, I finish at five. And I said, oh, you only got half an hour left then. He said, no, five a.m. And I was like, oh. You know, like all these like pathetic little artists, you know, and creative people coming from (laughs) this one hour a day's work. And I'm like, this guy's up till 5 a.m. and he's going to have to deal with the most horrendous people until 5 a.m. These just like drunk, you know, tourists and stuff like this. So it just kind of stuff like that puts it in perspective where you think, yeah, it's tiring, it's exhausting, but it's you're 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 doing what you love. And I think that's for me is so much calmer um I think only this year I'm a bit nervous because I'm going to be working my day job and I'll be gigging and I'll be doing two shows so I'm doing like I've, I've got reduced hours so I'm doing a nine to three mm-hmm. and then at 4 p.m is my hour show then I have a bit of a break and then at 10 50 is my like compilation show my late night show mm-hmm. um which is just for a bit of fun but the hour one is what I'm really trying to get people to come to yeah uh so that I think will be quite draining because I'll be done at 11.50 in bed by like 12.30, up again in the morning, catch up on sleep. But I'm not going to drink for the festival, so that'll help as well.
0: Mm -hmm. So when you were decided to be a comedian, did you know what kind of comedian it was that you wanted to be? Did you have a style in mind?
1: I guess sort of, and I I know this is going to sound very arrogant, but I don't think I decided. It just felt like what I had to do, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, Wow, that sounded incredibly arrogant. I'm sorry. It sounded (laughs) like... uh, (laughs) I didn't decide; the world chose for me to be. <laughs> um, so, or it's like Harry Potter: the one chooses the wizard. Uh, when I just when I decided, because obviously it is still a decision, um, even if, if you, even if you feel it isn't. Um, <laughs> um, no, I never thought about that, and that's that's something that I think as I've started to get a bit more relaxed and stuff on stage, I've started to think about it. No, it just kind of falls into it. I think a lot of it comes from early influences as well. The type of comedians you watch uh, starting mm. out and the type of comedy you like to watch, those will affect the type of comedian you are. I've sort of, I've kind of changed a little bit. I've I started off mainly doing kind of observational comedy with a bit of like a high status element to it yeah. and like hiding behind that. But as I've gotten more comfortable, I've now recently in the past year or so started to introduce a lot more physicality into it make it a lot more silly, be a little bit more emotionally open, mm-hmm. but only in a way that kind of is self-deprecating, if anything. Yeah. So I think for me, the type of comedian I wanted to be was just was just funny. And myself, I think that makes sense. I I, I, lo- I looked up to people like, you know, Bill Burr, Louis C.K., Dave Chappelle, that kind of like observational American relaxed style. Mm. Bill Burr in particular, I think, recently has just kind of like I'm just rewatching and it. it's just on a completely different level than almost anything else but what happened then is I started to watch Sebastian Maniscalco who's a really physical comedian I started to get into you know watching some of the more British Edinburgh type of shows mm. which goes okay you know it's not 100% my style but I see that there is a benefit to opening up a little bit and letting that barrier through mm. um, ever so slightly so I think that kind of has informed the type of comedian I want to be now which is I think it's a balance between sort of observational comedy, social political commentary, uh physicality, kind of silliness. Kind of mm. it's kind of a like an intersection of a lot of different worlds. The one yeah. thing I have really been able to do is become like a storytelling comedian. I found it very difficult to tell stories on stage. I will right. tell like loose stories that just lead to an observation, but I've never been able to tell like a full a full story uh, back to front.
0: Yeah. And how much is it is what we see on stage representative of, of you yourself? I think more and more each day, way
1: more of me is coming out on stage, which is why I'm having more fun with it. Sort of mm. voices, characters, silliness. That yeah. is something that I've kind of like... And, you know, what I call basically kind of humour through, like, the only word I can think of is like, like, cuteness, if that makes sense. Not that I think <laughs> I'm cute on stage, but, you know... <laughs> of course I do a little bit, you know, but I think it's more like you know when like a kid is sad, it's mm. funny kind of like when a kid is sad over something insignificant, and but it but it's, it means so much to them, you know, like yeah. when a kid is sad about something. And it's like this doesn't matter but the fact that it means so much to you is funny and like and you just go oh you know there's i'm trying to create some jokes where you kind of feel bad for me but also laugh at me for it because it's the the emotional openness you know yeah someone being completely honest is is, is almost always going to be funny so <laughs> i think a lot more of me is coming out on stage than and than had been previously um and i think yeah i think you know what really who i am on stage i think is the person i wish i could be all the time um, in different aspects right. sort of either in that I wish I could be more silly and more physical in my real life but I just don't always feel like I have the energy for it I wish I could you know share my my thoughts and my feelings all the time but it's not always appropriate for it so I think it's 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 who I'd want to be yeah not always because you don't want to be talking at that <laughs> projection level you know uh, all the time but yeah I think that that's how I feel about it yeah
0: Okay, so let's talk about having started your your career and you're winning the gong shows, you know, you're doing all the circuit, yeah. then um, 2020 rolls around. What was your reaction, response? What was your situation when uh, comedy closed down? Comedy closed down. Um, well,
1: I uh, I was in a weird stage where I kind of was sort of starting to make some inroads, but also I think looking back on it, they were just sort of... Maybe dead ends uh how did i feel about it well it was just sort of i don't know i I kind of i don't know if you feel this way do you ever feel like that those two years are almost like a like one second they don't even feel like they happened yeah but i'm an old man that's like every day yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) how did i feel about it i think i was upset because i had some stuff in the works and i was getting excited and i was feeling more comfortable on stage yeah um I, I regret not using that time to kind of do like online content. That's one of the biggest regrets I have about the two years is not sort of getting into sketches and stuff like this. Right. But it was also, I was really stressed because I didn't have a consistent job. I got a really bad furlough because I had two jobs and I left one of them in February. So by the time March kicked up the, I didn't, I wasn't able to get furlough on both of them. So I just spent a lot of it just kind of stressed and bored. And I picked up some skills though. And I started working on like, personal stuff watch movies with friends but did a lot of like mm. i think i sort of just accepted that it wasn't going to happen and i just let it be and i just sort of mm. as as pretentious as this sounds worked on myself you know <laughs> just just <sort> of realizing <laughs> that i was as a person um so yeah it certainly um it certainly was d- difficult but i i kind of came out of it with a with a better like mm. It's sort of because I think in comedy, because a decent amount of people left, there was like a gap, and you, some everyone kind of stepped up a little bit right. in some ways. If you were in the right place at the right time, um, but yeah. yeah, certainly I felt like I kind of gave me some time off to think about stuff, which I enjoyed.
0: Yeah. Did you find it uh, easy to get back into again?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I've, I've, I've ne- after a break, I've always found it easy to get back to stand I, I cannot express how much I love doing it like it is it is just the most fun i can have and it just feels like it just feels like um i was watching uh do you know hercules the 1997 animated film
0: yeah the disney film disney
1: one yeah 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 yeah, yeah. um he, the song he sings uh, uh go the distance which is all about when he's like you know it's, i'm on my way I will go the distance. I'll find out where I belong. You know, I mean, I listen to that and maybe arrogantly. So he talks about basically all the crowds cheering for him and he'll find his place where there's a great (laughs) welcome waiting for him and stuff. And he's like, that's where he belongs. And so that's how I feel like when I'm on stage, I'm like, yes, this is this is it. And I'm trying to have more moments where I like think (laughs) for a second. This is incredible that I'm here and I just uh, this is exactly what I want to be doing like Mm. all my life if I can.
0: Yeah. So I mentioned gong shows and such, but also last year you were finalist in Leicester Square New Comedian of the Year, and the previous year you won at South End. How do you feel about competitions? How do you feel about those kinds of accolades?
1: That's interesting. Yeah, um, yeah. Competition gigs are interesting because they're. I find them quite challenging because I I don't my actual like the comedy I like to do isn't isn't just what does well in competitions is usually having a character, whether that character be based off of like a personality trait Mm -hmm. a lot of the times. And I, and I don't think I'm being, um, you know, insensitive by saying this a lot of times these characters are based around, you know, social, political identities, sort of, sort of saying, I am this person from this, this, this group, and here are like five jokes about that. And then maybe one joke, not about that to kind of mix it up. Yeah. And those work well because it's, it's an easily definable thing we can find on stage. Mm. Um, so I find those, I've always found those difficult because of that, because I haven't felt that I've been able to sort of market myself as, you know, I'm, I'm the guy who's like a bit sleepy or I'm the guy (laughs) who's whatever weird trait you can kind of find for yourself. Um, Mm -hmm yeah they're they're, they're challenging gigs but they can be really fun and to win it 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 feels good like it does feel great especially the the south end one south end new community of the year when i won that that felt pretty good um and um yeah it also the leicester square one was particularly nice because i it was just such a lovely stage to perform on and i think i just prefer big stages where you can walk around and i was really happy with how confident i was on that stage and how controlled I was I kind of regret one of the the jokes I did I should have changed it for a different one um but yeah they they can also be tough I've done a few competitions so far where I sort of felt that I've performed really well and I've done really well and like haven't gotten placed on the podium or haven't won it and I sort of that can be quite challenging mentally because you sort of think I, I, am I delusional? Am I am I not thinking this? You know, because I I heard the laughs myself, and I you know I felt it in the room. I, like, so that can that can be a tough thing. But I also think one of the benefits I've had doing competitions is a lot of the times because of this idea I've talked about, like mm. branching out and having my finger in so many different pies. Like I do shows in Europe, yeah. I gig in clubs a lot. I do all these stuff. That when I've done competition gigs, I've made it to the final. and I haven't won. All I've thought is, well, tomorrow, you know, tomorrow I'm doing the comedy store, or in yeah. you know, two weeks time I'll be gigging my hour show in Europe. So it doesn't matter this kind of stuff. So they can be fun, yeah. but I think this will be the last year I do them. I'm probably going to submit for the BBC New Community of the Year competition, mm-hmm. and then that'll be that. I'm never going to do them again. I just don't. I don't feel the need to. I am. Um, I'm. I'm really content with where I am.
0: Yeah. Uh, you said there about gigging in in Europe, and obviously with your. Yeah what you said earlier about watching american comedy and so on how do you find comedy changes culturally as you as you travel around uh i
1: think funny is funny like if it's funny you know if it's properly funny people will like it Mm. um how does this change culturally i don't know that's a good question i found my experience so far to be like a lot of stuff i write i write it with the intention of it being internationally accessible one of my Mm -hmm. biggest gripes (laughs) With the, uh, the the some of the stuff I see here in the UK, especially these Edinburgh fringe shows,
0: hmm.
1: um, I just watch them and I just think I have no idea what I have no idea what the hell these people are talking about. <laughs> I'm really not sure who the Chuckle Brothers are at this point, but I know one of them is dead. But I have no like I have no inroad here, and I find that I find that as an audience sometimes quite isolating. In that this is a show that everyone's praising. I have no idea what anyone's talking about mm. or I get some of the jokes I've lived here long enough to get some of them, but I just sort of feel isolated. And I think I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't feel like I don't you know, belong listening to the show, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, so I've always written not always, but I think I made a conscious decision around September last year to go, OK, this is all going to be internationally accessible, even if it's not like everyone's taste. I want no one to be there thinking, oh, I can't understand this. I think that's also where the physicality has come into my act, because, you know, it's like in Europe, a lot of times you get like when you do these English speaking shows, you get a few different types of audience members. You get people who are learning English and come to the shows to learn English. That's a big bit. That's a decent group of people. Uh, Expats who like grew up in international schools or just like work in an English speaking world. Mm -hmm. And then you get like couples whose mutual language is English. And so they go to these shows and then you just get, you know, you know, Americans or British or Australians living abroad who are just curious about this. So you get that nice mix people often hugely different culturally. Sort of I, when I was in Amsterdam, I had like people from like, you know, Venezuela, Colombia in the show. And then I had people from, you know, Uganda, Japan, and all mm. these kind of stuff. You have all these people, but they all speak English and it's kind of that joining thing. And then they can all watch the show. And it's really nice to see a group of people like, like who would have, who would never have met yeah. or never been in the same room, if not for coming to see my show and making them laugh. And so I think that's what I find. Um, that's where I find there is like, you know, people get it that people understand it and they it's just to see the excitement and i'm sorry it's just to finish off the point about the physicality Hmm. is is that if someone doesn't speak english super well if i explain like a basic concept in a few words they get it and then to throw in a huge act out it's like oh everyone can understand this yeah so that's why i I mean that's why mr beam was so popular um so the physicality for me is something i really enjoy doing Mm -hmm. but then there's also that added benefit of like i know it'll elevate this joke because everyone's gonna get it yeah, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's what I also think is good about adding this kind of layer and or trying to write internationally is, is that I think if you write, even if you're gigging in the UK a lot, if you write more British-based jokes, you'll be pretty certain that like 70% of the audience, almost always 70% of the audience will get it. Yeah. But if you do skew it and try to make even the same joke work could it be, could it be the same premise. It just needs to be amplified to be international. You're now going to then start hitting that 80, that 90% mark of the audience mm-hmm. who don't understand it, but can get on board with it. And I think that for me is, is a much more exciting.
0: <laughs> Do you feel like, I mean, from my observation, sometimes comedians who aren't specifically doing, like what you said there, you said about doing a, a physical action to emphasize a point you're trying to make. Yeah, uh, I see a lot of comedians who are, Trying to be energetic by you know making a lot of physical motion, but actually it becomes more distracting and it takes you away from the point. How do, yeah. how do you decide how much or how little to put into a, a routine?
1: Um, I talk to my shaman <laughs> and we decide together. <laughs> no <I'm joking. laughs> Uh How do I decide? Um, I think it's just what feels right to me. You know, I I'm, I, I like pacing, so I'm always going to be moving around a little bit when I'm on yeah. stage. Um, but to sort of get into physical bit. Mm, that's a good question. I never, I never know. It just sort of feels right to me.
0: Do you video um, it and watch it back to see how much you're moving or not moving? Yeah, mm. yeah, 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 yeah. Sort of, you know, um,
1: to to watch and see. And, and also, sometimes I watch it and I think, oh, this isn't enough. Like I could go so much bigger with this. Yeah. Like I, I sort of, I think you, um, you were, yeah, you saw the show. I have this whole bit where I pretend to be basically. I sort of pretend to be a lizard. Yeah. A human in lizard skin, sort of thing. And I watched, I watched that back a few times and I thought, I'm not going hard enough on this. Like I could be so much more of a lizard while I do this yeah. and it would work so much better. So yeah, I think it's sort of, how do you decide though? I don't know. I don't think I make a sort of a conscious decision. Hmm. It just sort of feels like that's, that's what it needs to be. Like, it feels like the right choice. All right. Um, but I get your point about it being distracting. Sometimes people like do p- prance around on stage or they're just so like so yeah. erratic that you're like, I, I can't do it. Relax. Yeah. Um. Chris, Chris Rock said the reason he he paced around on stage so much is because he's like, if you're walking, they'll pay attention to you. Like if you're moving, they'll have to pay attention to you. Yeah. So there's kind of a like, that double double edged sword of it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I don't yeah. I
1: don't know if that answers.
0: I should emphasize that I didn't I didn't feel that you did too much or too little in your show. But what my, okay. my point is how do you know to get that right as you did?
1: Yeah, I don't I don't uh I don't know. You just I like, yeah. you just feel it. Um but I yeah, that being said, there was one point where I did the lizard thing for like a fifth time and I was like, All right, these people are bored of it. Like <laughs> it's not it's not interesting for them anymore. So that's one of the biggest you feel like you can feel people go like, Well, I guess the biggest thing is if they're not laughing, sure. right? Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I think when you add physicality, it should, it should, because it's often so exciting and surprising, mm. and they and it requires less thinking time. And it's more just immediately stimulating to the brain. Right? You, you I feel like when I get physical, the laughs I get are different, I can feel there's a certain there's a certain heat to that laughter or the certain energy to that laughter, right. which I know is different. And I can in the second it stops being that way. I'm like, okay, this is no longer like, this is over the top now.
0: Huh. I never thought of that there being different kinds of laughter for different kinds of comedy.
1: Yeah, I definitely feel like when you get physical, I for for me at least, maybe I'm not a good enough joke writer or storyteller to get laughs. Laugh otherwise. But I know that when I get physical, like there's a certain especially when that physicality is um uh paired with ludicrousy, Right. If that makes any sense. Like if you're doing something so physical, but that's so insane and ridiculous. Mm like there's just a certain like guttural laughter that comes from that because it's and combining that with relatability
0: yeah
1: uh, that people will just it's just like they can't help
0: but find this insane and, and, and funny <laughs> and, 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 and and fun to watch <laughs> so you mentioned that you ran your own comedy night in london what's the difference for you um being in command of a night emceeing um as opposed to being an act Yes,
1: so I I will say I I, I no longer run night. Um, uh, I will be running a show in Edinburgh though, so that right. that I that I've done before. Um, so that'll be that's Philip and Friends, Friends spelled with a PH, So pretty clever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, so running Running a night is different. It's way more. It's it, it, there's a difference I think between running a night and emceeing a night. Running a night is stressful because it's sort of getting the admin done, making sure the acts show up on time, paying them, and then making sure there's ticket sales and stuff like that. Emceeing is sort of uh, it can be tricky because it feels like a lot of the weight's on your shoulders, but it really isn't because right. if the acts are good, it should be easier for an MC to do it. I think MCing can be really really fun. I remember last year when I did uh, AAA, so the showcase I was hosting it, yeah, and I and that was one of the biggest reasons that I started to get more physical in my act was because I think the only way you can host a show well or MC a show is by being yourself. You can't host it the way another person would host it because it just feels really disingenuine. Mm. And you're not gonna have fun. The whole point of the host is to be somebody that the audience goes on stage, sees them come back up, and they go, Oh, this guy's gonna be fun. This person's gonna be fun. They're gonna, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a good time with them. Yeah. They maybe I don't think you should be challenging the audience. I don't, I don't know. I don't think personally if you got like edge your stuff or stuff that you know splits a room i don't think that's necessarily appropriate as dmc because you want to take that risk mm. unless you know you can pull yourself out of it yeah uh, it, yeah i just talking to people is just fun like when you get people who say like the most ridiculous stuff or you get these insane answers and you play off of it mm. one of the biggest things i think is important to do as an mc as well is is um always look at the person you're talking to this is a real frustration of mine when i see people host shows and they look at the person they say something funny then they turn to the whole audience and do like an act out or a joke and then they go back to the person I think you ruined it because the magic is almost that the audience is watching you interact with another human being yeah that's the magic there and how you're playing off of them you know making fun of them but also having them included then they kind of maybe they snap back at you as well so for me I'm, I'm seeing and hosting and crowd work and that kind of stuff that's where there's the the the, the, there's a magic to that that I think is just incredible so I've always really enjoyed doing it yeah um and uh it it helps when you have acts that are good as well because I've (laughs) posted like nights and stuff and it's like it's really tough to pull that energy back into it yeah or it's even tougher in that if you're if you're having a really good time that the that you know I've I've been at shows where the MC has been way better than the acts and I thought, I'd rather not see any of these people. I kind of just want to see you. And so that's, <laughs> it's finding that balance. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's really fun. Hosting a show is, is is like, is great. It's where you also learn like a lot of crowd work. And it's, you also learn to be calm mm. and perform with nothing. Like just to walk on stage and be able to do that. So that's why I found really good about AAA last year. Yeah. Is I was able to just, I hosted for 20 minutes and I didn't have anything. And I also realized while I was hosting that when I tried to do jokes, they weren't working as well. And then I told this to a friend of mine and he said, maybe it's because the way you're hosting is the way you actually should be performing and you need to start making sure your jokes are like that. And then that's when the physicality came into a lot more, because when I would hosting and stuff, yeah. people would say stuff, and I would like, they'd say something weird and I would do a full like act out of the person that they've just described. <laughs> And like, I could feel people liked it because people are looking, you know, someone being, like I said, someone being themselves and someone being honest is always going to be funny to people. Yeah. So someone looking at that and going, oh, this person's really being themselves. I feel like I'm being very arrogant on this podcast. Talking about how amazing. <laughs> I am. But I also think it's more personally how I feel about it. It's just like, yeah, To that was a big shift in my confidence and my general performance style is when I started to really start to integrate who I am as a person more onto yeah. the stage.
0: So those kind of challenges of being an MC when you juxtapose against a prepared material from your act. I mean, what position are you actually more comfortable in? Oh, that's a really good question.
1: Um, I think, I think I'm more, maybe, maybe I'm more comfortable as an MC because I really like, I think people are really fun to talk to. And I think so many people are really funny and interesting. Right. But I find yeah, I think I'm more comfortable maybe as an MC in some cases, mm-hmm. but I I want to be seen as an act if that makes sense. I want right. to be seen as somebody who does the, the, the material and stuff like that like to that that feels um, it feels more almost feels more academic. It feels more refined. It feels like there's a there's a certain like air to it where you're like, ah, oh, this is okay. like mm. like it's amazing to be able to improvise and get a really great joke out of it. Um, but to then, to then for someone to see something and go, this person has polished this to the point where it feels like they're emceeing. Right. That's, that's for me is more exciting. It's a challenge. I, so I prefer the challenge of an hour, yeah. which is why I prefer it. Sorry. I prefer the challenge of material.
0: Yeah. So what about, let's get to the meat and potatoes. What's been your best and worst gigs so far? Best and worst gigs. Best one. I did a gig. Uh,
1: we'll start optimistic. I did a gig a few months ago in Horsham. Yep. Which is just uh, southwest of London, I think,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that was probably one of my favorite gigs I've done. It was at the Capitol Theater, uh, and it was this like it was just this incredible room where like it started really low and then it just shot up high really quickly. Like it wasn't a very deep audience, yeah. but they were just really high up, and almost all of them were in like pitch black. Which can be a really nice feeling as a comedian because you then don't you're not looking at them you're just hearing them yeah and that's a much better gauge of how to feel a room you know because sometimes and also they feel more comfortable to laugh because they're in the darkness yeah Um, and then it was a huge stage as well and it just sort of I did that gig and I just thought I just thought this is this is it sort of felt like yeah this is the kind of stage I should be performing on this has felt comfortable to me this has felt as Hercules said this is where I belong. (laughs) You know, so <laughs> things like that I think about. I I just I wanted to you know last year or so, which was in Croydon, which was a really fun gig. I had this bit that I had this kind of ending to and it really landed and it really worked. Hmm. I've done a couple of gigs of top secret that have been like pretty, pretty wild times. So there's like certain ones that I'm like, oh, these were really, really fun gigs. I'm really happy with how I performed, the choices I made there, yeah, and how I let stuff breathe. So those are good. Worst gigs. Um Oh, there's just there's just just there's not enough to choose from. <laughs> uh definitely that one where I got shortchanged. That was yeah. that was bitter. It was the gig itself wasn't good, but I also felt so taken advantage of. Right. And it really that that kind of Uh, added some hurt um there was I did King Gong which is this gong style show I don't know if your listeners know but essentially you perform five minutes you get five minutes but doesn't mean you perform five minutes Mm. the audience can boo you off at any point by putting up three cards and the first time I did that I stuttered and they gave they booed and I said oh was it so bad that I stuttered and they were just like fuck you off (laughs) and then I was there with my friends. Were there to see me, and it was just I was felt so destroyed on the inside. And I remember going home and just curling up in a ball of like just thinking it's never gonna happen. You know, (laughs) you're never gonna, you're never gonna be on comedy in a nutshell. Like it's not gonna, (laughs) it's not gonna work out for you. I'm I'm teasing, of course. Um, No, but that like that was a bad one because of the sort of mental strain I felt afterwards. Uh, Hmm. So that was bad. And then I did this one called rudy liquid's five minutes to shine yeah which was a competition gig are you familiar with this yeah i know yeah <laughs> and um so it was a gig that i wasn't experienced enough for there was a dj on stage uh, i just really fluffed it steve bennett the chortle reviewer was in as well and the first line of his review was kostoletsky bombed hard and he knew it and uh <laughs> it was all pretty much downhill from there i just felt so out of place and uh like like i was just not strong enough as a performer So those are some those are some bad ones or the worst ones are where you like travel like hours and hours and it's like three people and they don't give a shit about you and you're like oh great so those are some of the worst ones for sure yeah i wish i had a really funny bad like story gig like a funny (laughs) one but they're all (laughs) they're just just character building you will yeah
0: oh yeah yeah So do you have any particular, we've talked about the things that you learned from those experiences. Do you have any particular philosophies that you take forward with you? Oh,
1: philosophies. Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I think one of them for sure is if you're talking to an audience member, look them in the eyes. I think that's probably one of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Yeah. philosophy. Oh, that's a good question. Any philosophies and stuff I think about, Um, you know, Trying to find a positive route out of like a crowd interaction. I mm. think maybe they're more crowd-based stuff, but like if someone's heckling you, you you know, you don't have to tell them to fuck off. You can you can see if you can understate it. You mm. know, I think there's a lot to be said about understated comedy. i f I'm finding people like that. There's this guy, Robin Granger, who's based in Edinburgh, mm-hmm. who he was, I don't know if you know he last year he only had one audience member show up to his friend show and uh it happened to be like a, a new like a bbc producer who then told kate copstick works of the scotsman who then made it like a tweet and then he sold out his run and it became like the number three bbc news story in the world oh, yeah. um so he was he, he has he his whole he does like a 20-minute club set about that um basically 20-minute club set about how he uh he wasn't a success and I love that kind of stuff where people take a really understated approach, mm. but then we come to the end of this story and he's our hero. He's our champion throughout. Yeah. So he's great. Tiernan and I like that stuff as well. I, I don't know why I've sort of, maybe I'm just bigging up other people rather than thinking about philosophies. <laughs> um, staying calm, I think is one of the biggest things and realizing it doesn't matter. Like yeah. if you fail, you'll get another try at stuff. Like, and um, it's like, it's just meant to be fun. I think it's the biggest thing is it's, it's meant to be fun and try to, I think one of the biggest things I try to do is, and I don't know if I achieve this all the time, but I try to be like at least somewhat original or at least a little bit refreshing with, with my act. I try to do stuff that I don't think I've seen before. I don't try to do too much hack stuff or like really like pull back and reveals a couple of them for a bit of fun, you know, Mm -hmm. and and they can be good ways to get through bits. But yeah, I think that's try to do, try to add something to the, to the world of comedy rather than, rather than just do what everyone else is doing. That's kind of my biggest, those are my mottos. So what are you adding? Tell us about your Edinburgh show. What am I adding? Oh, <laughs> man, that was smooth. That was very good. That was like a radio presenter. Thank uh, kind of introduction. <laughs> What am I adding to the world? Oh, that's that's really going to have to... We're really going to get a lot of uh, cockiness <laughs> and arrogance out of this one. Uh, well, my show is called Daddy's Home. It's uh, every, on every day at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival at 4pm at The Stand 2, mm-hmm. except for the 14th of August. It's... I think what I'm trying to do with the show, first of all, I just want it to be a really funny hour of stand-up. Like, it's not got a lot of... It's not got, like, this serious moment. I sort of tried one at the preview you saw. Mm -hmm. And I just... As I did it, I just thought, I just don't care. (laughs) I think, you know, I just don't care about saying this serious stuff. And I don't actually think it's a message I want to say. I'm going to try in the next few previews to sort of basically kind of talk about... Like, at the first part, talk about maybe the sadness and the kind of the pain that I felt when my parents, my father left, and then my father died. Mm-hmm. But all, all in the in the in a, in a funny way. And then I think if there's going to be a serious moment, I think it's just going to be dedicated to how much I love my mother, and that's going to be the only that's going to be the only narrative arc I think I'm going to present in this show mm-hmm. is shifting like the sadness of from my father to into the love for my mother, if that makes any sense, mm-hmm. which sounds very sweet, but, yeah. uh, and also, you know, very progressive of me. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, what do I want to say? Um, yeah. What am I offering in this show that I think is a little bit different? I think it's, it's I think it's a really fun balance of like physicality. Mm. Obviously you, c- you can, you agree with this. So you can be like, wow, this guy's delusional. If he thinks he's offering, <laughs> I think it's a really fun balance of physicality, kind of fun joke premises mm. that are kind of like kind of stupid but also like make sense there's a bit of a cultural uh, countercultural vibe to it as well at points or like least social political commentary on it and then I think the main thing I kind of do is trying to have a, a sh- like trying to open up a little bit emotionally but having a lot of fun doing it hmm. and creating a fun environment for people to come into and be like, all oh, right, You know, there's some stuff I can relate to. I'm trying to go for like core relatability in that, you know, the feeling of loneliness at times, you know, missing somebody, but also trying to spin positive positives into negatives. And I think that's what I'm trying to go for in this, in this hour, it's just a really relatable show, hmm. but that has got proper jokes to a proper club style comedy within it. Um, but isn't so far that direction that it you lose the sense that like there's a there's a bit of heart here and there's a person underneath it all. Yeah, would you agree with that? Do you think the
0: show is aiming to do that? It's not the show I saw. No, oh, show, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no absolutely. And what about the other show what what about Philip and Friends So this is affiliated with your excellent podcast of course Oh yes of course it does thank you very much I appreciate
1: it <laughs> Um yeah Philip and Friends a late night comedy show that's just going to be mm. this going to be a fun time it's literally just I mean I think the tagline for it is like uh it's it's you know it's late night so anything goes it's just I'm going to have acts there Yeah I'm just working on you know either working on jokes or just that it's like cheap tickets to get in I mean people can buy them in advance for like 12 pound if they want but just show up on the door and just pay five pounds it's really just it's just for me to like cut loose just chat to an audience you know yeah get get people riled up get them excited bring a couple acts on it's it's like whatever happens I have no uh no um preconceptions about what I want it to be you know I, I mm. just want it to be that the yeah it's just gonna be fun fun time I think so come along. It's just me, me hosting, chatting to people. Those yeah. that room where it's in, it's in City Cafe. It's in one of the smaller rooms, oh, like yeah. 30 seater. Yeah. That's <laughs> just like everyone's so exposed and open. But they could. I've had some of the most fun gigs in those rooms because they are they're literally just like it's such amateur <laughs> comedy. It's such like it's so not professional, but it does work because they're like karaoke booths. So it's like, you know mm-hmm. what it is? It's a completely um unprofessional room but it's professionally soundproofed. And so it works. There's yeah. no distractions to the outside. You can really get into the show. Mm. Um, and so it's like, those rooms for me are great. So I think that's going to be really fun. Yeah. Uh, but I think, I think the hour for me will be the most rewarding because it'll be a really chance for me to kind of showcase what I think is all of my potential.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how can we find out about you? How can we find out where you're performing? Um, I am uh, on social
1: media. Mm-hmm. Um, on instagram at phil comedy uh if you want to follow me uh if you don't want to follow me it's still at phil comedy <laughs> it's a little tricky that's there uh that one's free um so it's it's at phil comedy on instagram and tiktok and then on twitter it's at cheesecake pck uh which i wanted it to be phil comedy but there's currently a guy who has phil comedy uh but his account is banned so the name is just gone <laughs> Uh, and also I had like I had like two, I had a tweet last year and a tweet this year that kind of did well. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to change the handle because I still get followers from that occasionally. Um, this is just <laughs> completely irrelevant to the question you asked, <laughs> uh, but that's why it's different. So it's, and then also you can find me on my website, um, Uh Philip is spelled P-H-R, I mean, just look at the description. It, it, I'm not going to spell it out. <laughs> I was going to spell out, Philip, and then I realized, they're going to look for Kostoletsky, and that's going to be even harder. So there, and then you can sign up to my mailing list. It's all, all of these funnel into my link tree, mm-hmm. which is just link tree slash Phil comedy. And that's um, the easiest way to find out all this kind of stuff. So I'm performing. I don't know when this comes out, but I'm doing I'm doing a London date on the 19th and I'm doing Manchester on the 23rd of July and then Liverpool on the 30th of uh, you know, Manchester on the 23rd, Liverpool on the 30th, and then August 2nd uh, to that. And then I also, by the time this comes out, this will actually be a good time to plug this. I'm recording the show Mm -hmm. on the 19th of October at West End Comedy Club. And so I think that'll be the best time to to go see it because I would, I'll have had like a month away. uh, I'm going to the States for a month to gig out there and like get a bit more of that in in US international feel to it. And it'll be like, I think it'll be the best the show is going to be because it's going to be like, had that month off from Edinburgh to really calm down, think about what I want to do. And then just, I think, hopefully in the States, it'll get the material really tight. So 19th of October, if you can't make it to anything else, come to that. Uh, it's Western Comedy Club. Tickets will be available pretty soon.
0: Excellent. So finally then, Philip, can you please sum up for me, what is comedy in a nutshell?
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't realize that was all leading to this. I should have. <laughs> um, um, comedy in a nutshell for me, it's it's joy and it's and it's a release it's just not having to worry and just it's just yeah it's the perfect balance between challenging our thoughts
0: and setting ourselves free from them very nicely put thank you so much it's been really great having you to talk to thank you no worries thank you so much I really enjoyed this as well
1: I think (laughs) you're you're a very good interviewer Uh, I found you have like a really fun way of asking questions and stuff. So I really enjoyed this. (laughs) Good. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you so much.